TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Rebecca Coombs. Rebecca spent most of her life feeling sick. She was born two months premature. Her immune system was underdeveloped and saw her develop food intolerances and an autoimmune disease by her mid-twenties. She was sick of feeling sick and tired. She saw countless doctors who didn't know what was wrong. She was told she had IBS, a sensitive stomach, and they had no clue on how to cure it. She was frustrated, depressed, and angry that her life wasn't going the way she planned. After years of illness, she took, her, took matters into her own hands, changing her thoughts, how she moved, healing her gut, saw her transform her life. Rebecca is passionate about sharing her success with other women, showing them how they can take back control of their lives and begin living the lives they know they should. That all sounds awesome. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thanks, Brett. It's great to be here. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board. So we've just sort of uh, gone over the brief summary of your story, Rebecca, but tell us from your point of view, you know, what happened? What was going on? Well, as you said, I was a preemie baby and I was that sick kid that, you know, I got everything going and whatever I got, I got the worst case of it. Generally, the doctors would be saying, hmm, we might take a photo of you and put it in a medical journal, <laughs> um, which wasn't much fun. But, but I really kind of didn't pay much attention to it. I just thought that was life as a kid. Um, and it was only when I hit my 20s that I started to realise that not everybody else w- was as sick as I was and as often as I was. And really the turning point for me in terms of getting my awareness was when I was diagnosed with endometriosis. And I luckily, I was living in London and very luckily, unfortunately, I was seeing a a female specialist over there who took a very holistic approach to her um, treatment. Thank gosh she did that because she said to me, I think you should come off wheat and dairy. Um, She she didn't know why there was such a high correlation between an improvement in symptoms for endo when her patients came off wheat and dairy. She just knew it happened. So I came off it for three months and realised that, you know, I was a transformed person and hadn't realised that, you know, these foods that I thought were very healthy and, you know, we were told we should be eating good serves of um, dairy and get enough grains in our diet every day that they were actually keeping me sick um so that was like the dawning of my awakening to um the fact that food was perhaps causing me harm um and wasn't letting me live a a really healthy life but what happened after that was that you know i had this temporary reprieve for probably about a year and i was really strict and and then i started to decline in health again and that's when I was going backwards and forwards between different GPs saying, you know, why do I feel sick? I don't eat gluten and dairy, but I still get sick all the time. And, uh, you know, I can't lose weight. I'm bloated all the time. I feel like my brain is in a fog. Um, you know, I've got heartburn, like burning heartburn after some meals. And, you know, this doesn't feel right. And doctors just couldn't pinpoint it so the most common things I got told were you've got IBS deal with it and the second thing was perhaps you're just a little bit of an over anxious stressed out woman that needs Mm -hmm. to just chill out 
And the, the worst thing about that is that you then start to really question what your body is telling you and you think, well, doctors know right, they know everything, so I must be wrong. It must be in my head. And um, one night, only two years ago, I was searching the internet in desperation because I was starting to think, if this is life, is this life worth living? You know, I was starting to get into that place, which no one wants to get to that place. But when mm. you're sick all the time, you just really don't want to, you know, you can't see a future. And I found this, the, um, a naturopath's name kept popping up um, in Melbourne, where I live. And I thought, oh, gosh, she's near me. She's not far. She's only a 15-minute drive. I'm going to see her. And I would literally walked through her clinic doors at the end of the road and just said to her, I don't know what is wrong, but something is wrong and I need your help. Like, please help me because I don't know what the other alternative is. And I'm so fortunate that I found her because she is a gut specialist, gut health specialist, and also specialises in small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which it transpired that I had. And and the most important thing of all of that um, was that she sat down with me and she said, I believe you. And to have someone say, I believe mm. you, after years of being told, no, it's all in your head, was just that alone, I think, helped me feel that I was capable of change and that I was capable of achieving health. And it was a, it was a long road and, and we had some you know bumps along the way, but she stood by me the entire time. And, um, and I'm really happy that today I have changed my health and my life around and it's been a great journey. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an amazing journey and it's one that's unfortunately all too common. You know, it, it amazes me the amount of people who I've seen who have said to me, you know, I was told it was all in my head. I was told that I was just depressed and I should take antidepressants. I was told that, you know, that there, there was nothing actually wrong with me. Um, and so it, it's incredible that so many people, when they're not sure what's going on, will be quick to say, well, there must be nothing going on, rather than, I guess, acknowledging that perhaps they don't know everything. Exactly. And, and my concern was that I was just given script after script of antibiotics and over-the-counter pharmaceuticals and prescription pharmaceuticals as a band-aid to my symptoms. So I was given antacids and then when the heartburn became really painful, then I was given prescription medication to control it. Um, I was told to go on buscapan to control the cramps that I was getting. I was told to take laxatives for the constant um, constipation that I suffered. Uh, I was told to go to Weight Watchers and that I was obviously eating too much, which is why I couldn't lose weight. So it was, huh. it was all very much blaming me for um, you know, my fault, my, the reasons why things weren't working. And um, one of the great things that I've learnt through this process is that I've realised that my body and all of our bodies give us very clear signals and they tell us exactly when things aren't going wrong. We've just stopped listening to them. And I had to reconnect with my body and start listening to everything it was telling me. That the reason why I got heartburn was that my body really wasn't coping with the food I was putting in it. And I had to, I now, if I ever get a symptom from my body or a message from my body, I pause and think, what did I do to, like, what have I just done that's caused that? And okay, I need to assess what I did and do something different next time because, you know, there's a reason I got this symptom. 
Yeah, so, and, and yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? Like it's, you know, you were saying before, it felt horrible that people were saying it was your fault. But by the same token, I guess at the end of the day, the conclusion you kind of came to was that there was stuff that you could do about it as well. So you know, it's yeah. a fine line there, isn't it? Between, I, I guess the, the, the difference is offering solutions, you know, rather than saying, well, it's your fault, and there's nothing you can do about it, is saying, well, yeah, look, there's some stuff going on here, but here's some solutions, here's some things you can look at that can actually help you make a difference exactly exactly and that's that's the really important thing that we provide people with um, positive options and outcomes rather than just you know a, a blank wall that says no it's your fault and there's nothing we can do and what I found frustrating was that you know IBS this loose term of IBS which classifies anything that has you know where you've got any form of digestive disorder um, that doctors say well there's no known cure so deal with it, you know, yeah. manage your food and your stress um, and that's, that's just life for you now. And that's actually not the case for a lot, in a lot of cases. There is actually things you can do for it. Um, and, you know, one of my real missions in life now is to uh, spread the message to both the, the public and to work with GPs that there's a lot more that can be done um, with people suffering digestive disorders than what we're currently doing. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about SIBO. You mentioned that before, and a lot of people will be wondering what that is and won't know exactly what that is or how it develops. So can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. SIBO stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth, and um, it appears that SIBO is actually a very common condition. It's just not well known. Um, there's been studies done where, with, where they've studied people who have irritable bowel syndrome and anywhere from 60 to 80% of them have SIBO. And I was one of those people. So SIBO basically is where bacteria that should be living in the large intestine migrate or, or um, move into the small intestine and they set up home there and they cause all sorts of havoc. Um, they, they're not, our bodies aren't supposed to have that much bacteria there. The purpose of the small intestine is to do the absorption of our food. Um, whereas the large intestine is the final point. It's where bacteria are supposed to live and they, they're the bacteria are used to help um, do the final digestion and processing of food. Um, so this bacteria loves to eat carbohydrates and sugars and easily fermentable fibres, which in the Western diet is pretty much what we eat these days. So it's um, grains, it's carbohydrates, breads, pasta, it's um, sweets, um, it could be lollies or any kind of sugary food, but it's also fruit and vegetables. So things like potatoes are a great fuel for SIBO um, and, and other sort of fibrous veggies. And we get told every day that we should have a high-fiber diet. And often people mm. that are suffering from SIBO, when they have um, high-fiber or they take fiber supplements, will find that their symptoms get worse. And the really common symptoms... Probably the two most common symptoms with SIBO are pain in your abdomen area and bloating. And, and I suffered from, from those two. I had people come and congratulate me on my impending, <laughs> the impending birth of my baby and on several occasions, and it was just bloating, which was obviously highly embarrassing. Um, but other things that, that people with SIBO suffer from are constipation or diarrhea or a swing between the two. Um, you can also then have increasing food sensitivities. So like me, I started off with being sensitive to dairy, then it moved to wheat, then it moved to gluten, then it moved to legumes, then it moved to um, fructose foods like onion and garlic. 
and and then I couldn't tolerate wine very well and suddenly this list of foods was just expanding as the years progressed um, and and then other things like wind um, you know both ends and um, and there's some things that people might not know can be related to the gut are what appears on your skin. Uh, I used to get breakouts of hives really easily, but other people get rashes. They might get very sensitive skin. They might get dry and flaky skin. Um, and people might have suffered from joint pain or muscle pain. I had, a, I had what I thought was a bad back for years, and it was actually the SIBO. Um, it wasn't my back at all. <laughs> it, was the, it was the bugs in my gut causing pain. Um, and then people might also find that they're deficient in B12 and other um, vitamins and minerals because the SIBO, when they digest it, the food, they basically, every time we eat these carbohydrate, sugar or fibrous foods, um, the, the SIBO, the bacteria get it first and they have a wonderful time digesting our food and, um, and then they release uh, gases as a byproduct. Um, but the, what they're doing is that they're taking all of the nutrients out of the food before we get it. So I was quite nutrient deficient when I first saw the natural, despite eating a very healthy diet. Um, so, you know, other people might um, find that that's the case as well. So how common is SIBO and, and why, is it become, why is it so common? Well, there's, um, I think the reason why SIBO is becoming much more common is that we are eating a lot more processed foods. We've got, we have a very high um, consumption of simple carbohydrates and sugars. And the fact that sugar and um, gluten is used so broadly in our food means that even when we think we're eating something healthy, like let's say a, a tomato-based um, pasta sauce, quite often one of the first ingredients can be sugar. So we're inadvertently feeding um, the bacteria that's in the wrong spot and it, and it just continues to multiply and grow and breed um, in our small intestine without us realising what we're doing, you know, the food we're eating is, is wrong. Um, and also there's been studies around um, looking at, uh, you know, the overuse of antibiotics, especially over the last sort of 30 years, um, elective caesarean births where um, babies are not uh, exposed to bacteria through the birth canal, which means that they're, uh, the bacteria wash that they get um, when, they're, when they're born sets them up um, for having a good microbiome in their gut. And when we're born via caesarean and if we're also not breastfed, and I wasn't breastfed, um, and if we're given a lot of antibiotics, we're kind of killing off a lot of these bacteria in our gut. Um, and then our bodies are struggling to have the right populations of bacteria in our gut, which means that we're susceptible to um, having the wrong types of bacteria and also bacteria going to the wrong areas. So they believe that there's a, a combination of all of these factors which are causing um, SIBO to occur. And also, you know, when we get things like gastro or food poisoning, um, we're also giving our bodies the opportunity to have um, disruption in our gut and that can also cause SIBO as well. So we've mentioned obviously things we can do in terms of changing the diet, but are there more specific things you need to do in order to, I guess, refresh and regenerate your gut flora um, in terms of, you know, 
probiotics perhaps, prebiotics, you know, all that sort of stuff. Do, do we need to clean out what's there and start again? How do we go about doing all that? Sure. So there's two, we need to take a two-pronged approach to treating SIBO. Um, obviously, the first step is you need to be tested to see if you do have it. That's really important um, because we don't want to change our... We, we need to keep our gut microbiome healthy and we need to eat broadly to do that. Um, and the breath is a really easy breath test to test for um, SIBO and you can do it at home, which is great. But I do always advise people to be working with a practitioner that knows SIBO to then um, work with you on your on the treatment protocol for you. Um, so the first approach, um, the first component is obviously um, mon- managing your diet and you need to, for a sh- period of time, limit quite severely all carbohydrates and sugars. You don't want to feed the bacteria anymore and you don't want them to breed anymore because the whole purpose is to bring their numbers down. And then the second phase of that or the second component of that is that you need to kill off the bacteria. So there's two ways of doing that. You can take antibiotics to do that or you can take herbal supplements that are designed to kill bacteria. And I chose the latter, having spent a life on antibiotics. I didn't want to do any more. And there have been studies um, done on the effectiveness of antibiotics versus um, herbal supplements. And the herbal supplements show uh, have a higher success rate um, of treatment outcomes than antibiotics. So that was good for me. I decided to do antibiotics. Um, What you don't want to do um, is pour in more bacteria in the early phases of treatment. So you actually do need to come off um, prebiotic and probiotic food and and cultured foods because all that that's doing is feeding bacteria and and putting more bacteria in. And then once you've got your bacteria under control and, and, and you know that by your symptoms, your symptoms will tell you very quickly that your bacteria is now reduced in numbers, you then need to start to reintroduce very slowly some healthy food that will feed the good bacteria that are living in our guts. And so I started off by doing a teaspoon of sauerkraut um, every every few days and very carefully monitoring how I reacted to that and then increasing that. And then I started making my own homemade yogurt out of coconut milk and, um, and again, really slowly, teaspoon at a time, introducing that and, and introducing some prebiotic foods as well that would then help feed the right bacteria in my gut. And that's a slow journey. You don't want to just, you know, suddenly go from nothing to eating, you know, a whole bowl of yogurt when your system yeah, is so, ready. Yeah, so how wash. do you know when your system's ready? How do you know when to progress through to each stage? Well, again, working with your practitioner, they will be monitoring you closely. Um, but a very... Um, easy way of doing that is your symptoms so for me i had you know i had been co- chronically constipated for my whole life but i didn't realize it i thought it was normal to only go to the toilet once or twice a week and when i then started going to the toilet every day and with no issues um, that was a really big sign that my the motility or the movement of my gut was working again um, i stopped bloating so i no longer suffered from any form of bloating that was a really big sign and what was what i wasn't expecting was i had this clarity come through my mind that i had never experienced before i literally felt like a veil had been lifted off my brain and my brain was working at a speed I never knew was possible. I felt like my my thought processes were deeper and quicker. And I felt, you know, I felt like there was this crystal clarity going on in my head. And that was also a really um, clear signal from my body that 
I wasn't getting the toxins from the bacteria in, um, going up into my brain anymore. I was, my body was in a really kind of healthy state. So once I started feeling like that, my naturopath and I talked through with what are the next steps and she put me on you know, a very, um, I guess, controlled program of reintroducing foods and um, certain substances to my diet and it was just you know, introduce it and then watch and see what happened and give the body a couple of days to deal with it and then go again. And I found some foods that I'd eaten without any problems in the past, like pumpkin, um, I found them quite difficult to reintroduce, whereas sauerkraut was absolutely fine and very quickly I was able to increase the amount that I ate of that and, um, and I felt really good for it. And so you mentioned that, you know, other than food, that, that movement and mindset and stress all played a part as well. So how did that all come into the picture? I realised that um, prior to having my diagnosis with SIBO um, that I had not been living, even though I thought I lived a pretty healthy life, I hadn't been living a healthy life for my body. I had always been, I'd been in, you know, senior marketing corporate roles with a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and I had never put the connection between how stressed I felt at work with how my gut felt. And I had to do quite a bit of soul searching around what caused me stress in my life. So my job caused me stress and I actually um, handed my notice in and went out and set up my own marketing consultancy, which I absolutely loved. And I went from feeling quite stressed and anxious every day to feeling fulfilled and happy and really enjoying what I was doing. Um, I also needed to look at my relationship and look at, well, perhaps it wasn't the right relationship for me at that time because it was causing a lot of stress and, and had to call that quits. But I also hadn't been moving very much. I'd been so busy at work that I hadn't forgotten to just move my body. And I engaged the services of a personal trainer who I very clearly articulated, look, I'm quite sick, so I can't go and do these high-intensity exercises at the moment. I need to start slowly but, and I need to rebuild my core strength. But I need someone to hold me accountable because I'm not holding myself accountable. And I still work with him. He's great. We've built my strength up um, very slowly over the last two years. Um, but I recognised in myself that I wasn't doing it myself, so I had to go and find a team of people that would do it for me. Um, I also went and sought the services of a psychologist. So along with my stress, I was also dealing with some pretty significant emotional trauma from my past, and I'd never really dealt with it. And I, I came to the realisation that that was literally eating me inside. And if I didn't deal with that, and, and that was that I'd been abused, sexually abused by a relative when I was a child, um, that I would never truly regain my health, um, neither my mental health or my physical health. So I, again, it was about pulling together a team of people that would support me in the areas that I needed it. And I um, work with this incredible psychologist now who you know, I'm so impressed with where I've got myself um, and the tools she's given me to deal with the emotional trauma, which my gut feels you know, like it's a smooth water rather than a burning pot fire of... Uh, a burning pit of fire and hot coals, which has been has been really good. Um, and then the fourth component for that was I needed to, obviously I'd been addressing my nutrition through my treatment of SIBO, but I also had to look at my lifestyle and who was in my life, who was helping me on my journey to health and who was hindering me. And I had been a pretty heavy drinker and partier in my earlier 
days. And when I started treating the SIBO, I stopped drinking alcohol and I started to really focus on my health. And that upset a lot of people. I had friends that mm. were upset that I wasn't me as they saw it. And I had to do some soul searching around who was in my team and who was in my life. And and I've got to say that was a really difficult um, aspect of my journey to health because you know that you've you've seen these people as friends for a long time and and perhaps they're not the right you know perhaps it's time to um, make some changes and you know my really good friends have been with me through this journey and um, but there are some other people that I've had to you know just step aside from and. Uh, you know, really focus on myself. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, I I had similar experience from from giving up drinking uh, about eight or nine years ago, and um, and it was it was fascinating to see people's reactions to it. It was quite surprising, in fact, to see some people's reactions to it. That some people really did struggle with that. So uh, so I kind of get where you're coming from there. Um, Rebecca, you've since gone on. You've written several books. You now have created a program. Um, tell us a bit about the books. So there, when, I, when I started um, going through my SIBO treatment, I realized there were no cookbooks out there anywhere in the world for people with SIBO. Uh, I love to cook. I've always been a, a passionate cook. So I started documenting my recipes, and I've just, um, just launched my second SIBO cookbook, which is SIBO Family Favorites. And I wanted to, because the diet is, is reasonably restricted when you first start it, I wanted to show people that you can still eat really delicious, tasty, and satisfying meals even though you've got to cut out grains and sugars and, and carbohydrates initially. And, um, and the most recent cookbook is taking, you know, really loved home-style cooking and then giving it a SIBO twist, but it's meals that the whole family can enjoy um, because I recognise that a lot of um, women that are going through this program are mums, they're busy, and they've got to feed a family, so they need something that's easy and quick and affordable to make. And that's what my recipes are all about. Nice. Sounds great. Um, and so the program, how did you go about creating a program? I also recognised that, um, you know, I wasn't alone in struggling around, you know, how to change my life um, with this new diagnosis of SIBO. So I have two programs. I have an introduction to gut health program, which is um, helping educate people who can see there's perhaps something wrong, but they just don't know what it is. And we go through my five key pillars to success, which is the first step is awareness, so understanding what's happening in your body. The second is looking at your nutrition. The third is looking at how you're moving your body. It's not about going to the gym and pumping out you know, heavy sessions. It's just reconnecting with movement. Um, the fourth step is mindfulness. And then the fifth is your lifestyle. And we do that over six weeks. And um, quite often I find that when people go through that program, that they realise that their symptoms are very typical of SIBO and they go and get tested for SIBO and it comes back positive. Um, I also have a specific coaching program for SIBO because when you get the diagnosis, you have initial relief and then you think, oh my God, how am I going to live my life? Because it has to be, unfortunately, it is quite a dramatic change from where you've been. So I, 
I support the practitioners um, in their treatment because they, being busy practitioners, they're not there to be able to tell you now you need to go and buy this brand of coconut milk and this is the, you know, this is the almond milk to look for and all the rest. Um, so I am their kind of personal coach on the first 12 weeks of their treatment because that's the hardest and I take them through step by step how to live a life, how to tell your friends that you've now got this condition you need to treat, how to go to a restaurant and order food that's going to be suitable for you and isn't going to hurt your gut. Um, and it also follows my five key pillars to, to health because um, regardless of whether you're learning about gut health or you're in the midst of SIBO, those five processes are still really important. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute wealth of information. I think everyone's probably learned a whole bunch about SIBO. Um, and a whole bunch about gut health that's really important. Um, so if people want to find out more, um, they can head to your website, which is thehealthygut.com.au. Um, in social media, on Facebook, they can find you at The Healthy Guts, with an S on the end, um, which is also where they'll find you on YouTube and Pinterest. Um, on, and on Instagram, the.healthy.gut is where people will find you. So all over social media, heaps of information there on the website. Of course, the books and the products and the programs, sorry, are there on the website as well. So thank you so much for coming on board today, Rebecca. My pleasure, Brett. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.